Hi, my name is Drian Arney, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker working in private practice in the state of Florida. Welcome to the Cultivative Conversation podcast, where I engage guests in deep conversation using questions designed to assist with building healthy relationships. These questions explore themes of gratitude, nostalgia, sharing, and learning to invoke togetherness and intimacy through conversation. Welcome to another episode of the Cultivative Conversation podcast. In the last episode on cognitive behavioral therapy, we talked about the relationship between our thoughts, our feelings, and our behavior, and about the ways in which they influence each other. Today, I'd like to engage you in a conversation about ways of thinking that can limit our ability to feel and behave in ways that are rational and reflective of our reality. These ways of thinking are referred to as cognitive distortions. The first cognitive distortion that we're going to talk about is called all or nothing thinking. This is when we see things in black and white. When this distortion is present, we see any situation that falls short of perfect or our idea of perfect as a total failure. For example, a kid tries out for the basketball team, they don't make the team and think to themselves, I can't do anything. So they apply the one negative event of not making the team to their overall perception of their ability of being able to do anything at all. An extreme form of all or nothing thinking is called labeling. This is when we attach a negative label to ourselves or to others based on an undesired experience. For example, I make a mistake. Instead of saying I made a mistake, I call myself a loser. Or instead of saying that person was rude to me, I say they are a jerk. So I'm labeling myself as a loser, labeling the other person as a jerk based on a single negative experience. This can be harmful because attacking one's character, including our own, instead of focusing on the behavior, often makes us feel hostile and hopeless and leaves little room for effective problem solving. The next distortion is called overgeneralizing. When we overgeneralize, we see a single negative event as a never-ending pattern of defeat and reflect this by using words like never, always, and every. An example of this is someone leaves their bag in their seat and walks away for a minute. When they return, they find that their phone is gone. They think to themselves, it's always me. A similar thought may be, these things only happen to me. And so again, a single negative event that they are now generalizing as their overall experience and being the only person that this thing happens to. Another cognitive distortion is known as mental filter. This is when we pick out a single negative detail and dwell on it so much that our view of reality becomes negative. For example, I give a presentation to a group of people and receive many positive comments on my evaluation, but one of the comments says something that criticized a portion of the presentation. From that point on, I obsess over the negative comments and this obsession is present and happens for days. I ignore the positive comments that I received and only focused on the negative, and this is harmful because I'm not able to separate myself and my experience from the negative 
so that I could appreciate and embrace the positive. Discounting the positive is the next distortion, and this is when we reject positive experiences by insisting that they don't count. This often looks like telling ourselves that the effort we put into an accomplishment was not good enough or that anyone could have done as well, no matter how well of a job that we've done. So discounting the positive and mental filter um, can often look similarly because when both are present, we find ourselves dismissing the positives, not giving credit to the positives that we've accomplished or that we've experienced and focusing simply on the negative ones. A very common set of distortions that I find present uh, for my clients um, who are working to manage anxiety is jumping to conclusions. When this distortion is present, we find ourselves interpreting things negatively when there are no facts to support the conclusion that we've come to. One of the ways that this happens is called mind reading. And it's when we conclude that someone is reacting negatively to us without obtaining confirmation of this. So here's an example. I asked someone out on a date and they said no. After I get the no, I think to myself, it's because they think I'm ugly. The reality is that there are many reasons why someone may say no to a date. And I don't know that this person's reason was because they think I'm ugly. But where the fault or the error in my thinking showed up is that I assumed that the reason that they said no is a negative one and can only be a negative one. The other way that we can jump to conclusions is by fortune telling. This is when we predict that things will turn out badly, again, without evidence. So using the date example, this would look like wanting to ask, ask someone out on a date and deciding not to because I'm, I assume that they're going to say no. Magnifying and minimizing are the next set of distortions that we're going to talk about. When we magnify, we exaggerate the importance of our problems and shortcomings. An example of this would be, I have a test coming up, I'm worried about passing the test, and I think to myself, if I fail this test, I'm going to fail out of school and I'll never get a job. This is also what we sometimes call catastrophizing, um, where we're taking a small issue, thinking about the worst case scenario and magnifying uh, the, the initial worry or concern that we have. When we minimize, we make small the importance of our desirable qualities and or the impact of harmful decisions. So an example that I experienced with a client of mine um, looked like this. So my client shared with me in session that they became so angry that they punched a wall and needed to get medical attention for their arm. After telling the story, they made the comment that what happened to their arm was not a big deal. This was harmful for my client because it reflected her lack of awareness of the danger that her current ways of managing anger really had on her. And it made it more difficult for her to understand why I or her parents or her friends were concerned about her behavior and what it looked like. Next, we have emotional reasoning. This is when we assume that our negative emotions reflect the way things really are. For example, I feel guilty, so I must be a terrible person. I feel scared about flying, so flying must be dangerous. The reality is that while my feelings are valid, they do not directly reflect the reality of how safe flying is or how others perceive me. 
The use of should statements, which is the next uh, cognitive distortion we're gonna talk about, is also a common one that I see present in the way that my clients think that support feelings of anxiety. This is when we tell ourselves that things should be the way that we hope or expected, and this can become harmful depending on how we respond when those expectations are not met. At extremes, should statements that are directed towards ourselves and others often lead to guilt, anger, and frustration and can cause significant distress. A familiar example is the one that I gave in my episode about unlearning, um, where I talked about the significant distress that I experienced when uh, a, a toilet paper roll was not placed in the way that I believe it should. Please check out that episode if you have not yet. Um, and if you just want to uh, be familiar with what that example was. The last set of distortions are called personalizing and blame. When we personalize, we hold ourselves responsible for events that fall outside of our control. For example, a parent receives a note from their child's teacher about their child's disruptive behavior. The parent then thinks to themselves, this shows how bad of a parent I am. This can be harmful because it limits the parent's ability to feel confident in their ability to find out the cause of the problem and to provide the support their child actually needs. Blame is found at the opposite end of this spectrum. It is when we blame other people for our circumstances and for our problems. This can be harmful because this often limits our ability to recognize the ways in which we are contributing to the problem at hand. One of my goals in private practice is to contribute to making therapy accessible and affordable. Becoming a member of the Open Path Collective Network has allowed me to expand my client base and to offer an affordable sliding scale of $30 to $60 per session to clients who cannot afford market rates of $100 to $250 per hour. If you are a licensed clinician who would like to join the Open Path Collective Network, use the link in the show notes to sign up and let Open Path know that I sent you. Many people, including myself, are always looking for new ways to incorporate natural products in our hair and skincare routines. If you are one of those people, you may be excited to learn about Thriving Organics. Thriving Organics is one of my go-to places for organic skin and hair care products that are handmade with love and care. My favorite products right now are their organic castor oil, my hair loves it, and their rose glow oil, which leaves my face feeling calm and hydrated, especially after cleansing. Visit Thriving Organics at www.thrivingorganicsofficial.com and begin your journey to thriving skin and hair today. Cognitive distortions are ways of thinking that we all experience. Our goal is to minimize the impact they have on our functioning by responding to them in ways that are rational and in line with our reality. Here are some ways that we can do this. The first is to identify the cognitive distortion. We can do this by writing down our negative and distressing thought and seeing which of distortions is present in the thought. When we understand what is happening, we are often better able to see it from a more realistic way and feel more positive in our response to it. The second way is to find the evidence. Instead of assuming that your negative thought is true, it can be helpful to find evidence that challenges this thought. For example, if you feel that you do nothing right, write a list of things that you've successfully done. The next technique is called the double standard method. Instead of putting yourself down, 
Talk to yourself in the same compassionate way that you would talk to a friend or a loved one who had the same problem. Um, When talking about grounding and grounding techniques with clients, I often encourage them to talk to themselves as they would a loved one or even as they would a very small child. Um, We tend to speak in a lower tone, a softer, calmer tone. Um, We use words and language that are more comforting, more soothing when we're talking to younger children than we do when we talk to ourselves or even to other adults. The next technique is called the survey method. This can be completed by asking people questions to find out if your thoughts and attitudes are realistic. For example, if you're ashamed of being anxious about public speaking, ask several friends if they felt nervous before they themselves had to present in front of others. The chances are that based on your friends' accounts, you'll be able to feel a sense of normalcy. You'll have the anxiety that your experience normalized in a way that makes you more comfortable with how you can move forward with preparing for the presentation. The last technique I encourage you to try is called the semantic method. I like to think of this method as being mindful of your words. This can be accomplished by substituting language that is reflective of guilt and shame. And this could look like replacing a statement like or a thought Like, I shouldn't have done that with, it would have been better if I didn't do that. Creating space to allow yourself grace to make mistakes because it's something that we all do. As I mentioned earlier in the conversation, we all experience cognitive distortions. The goal is to minimize the negative impact that they can have on our functioning. I hope that you found this information helpful and I welcome any thoughts or questions that you may have after listening. Please feel free to use the contact information located in the show notes to talk to me. Talk to you again soon. Thank you for joining me for this Cultivative Conversation. If you have not already, please subscribe to the Cultivative Conversation podcast and share this episode with a friend.